Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. All right, man. You can have a seat. Good morning. How are we doing? All right. Sounds really enthusiastic this morning. That's good. Um, I just want to thank you as we, as we um, come before uh, the, the word this morning, and we're going to look at our last segment of a series, a six-week series called Warfare. And I, I thank a lot of you have been specifically praying uh, because whenever you begin to preach against a spiritual enemy, it's like you know stirring up a, a wasp nest or a hornet's nest. Anyone ever done that? Yeah, that's fun, right? I remember um, when I was... Nathan, my son, was about four years old, I think, and it was this gigantic wasp. Man, they make the biggest white, right in our bushes. It was like as big, a, big as a beach ball. And I had this weird, I don't know, when you have little kids, you're crazy for a while, right? And I had this weird just temptation to fire a basketball at that thing. <laughs> and so I, I was a responsible parent, and I told Nathan to go way across the yard because this could get ugly, right? And I fired that ball. Boom, I hit it. It was a beautiful shot. Spurs open, and there's wasps everywhere. And I saw one wasp, like a cartoon. It spun in the air like this, and then shot across the yard straight at Nathan and hit him like this, like a bullet. And he went down, right? And so later, I'm putting ice on Nathan, and I'm like, Nathan, Nathan, when we talk to mommy about this, I can't believe the dog would do something like that. Dad, why did you throw a ball at that nest? No, 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 no. The dog, Nathan. And I survived that after he told uh, his mom. Uh, So that's what doing this is like. It's kind of stirring things up. The enemy hates when we bring attention to him, but we must. Um, And so we've been going through this whole armor of God. It's not just for kids, right? It's for all who are in Christ. And and, and so I just want to, before I pray, I want to remind you where, where we've been. Paul said, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, all of it, right? Uh, That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, right? So we've said Paul's writing from prison, church in Ephesus, and up till that last section of the letter, remember he's talking about the theme is walking, but it's walking in Christ. So moment by moment, actually living as a Christian, right, at home, and he talked about marriage, he talked about home life, he talked about all kinds of practical Walking in Christ. And, and so, you know, the enemy, if you're walking over here and not walking with Christ, he'll applaud you and on your way. He doesn't, that's great. It's when you say, no, 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 I want to stand in truth that he's going to attack. So that brings Paul to say, okay, so now you have to learn how to stand. Right? You can walk, but then you're going to get attacked. And so how do you stand firm in that? Right? So he, he continues, and this is where he, he, he gets to the armor. And we've gone through all these different pieces. And all circumstances, uh, so stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And, and so well, we didn't have much of a belt, but we talked about how it's like the Under Armour because they had baggy clothing, right? So they would cinch it up so they're, they're ready to go, right? They're ready, they're ready to fight. That's for the Christian truth, right? And then he goes on and he says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I don't have a breastplate. Bob preached that sermon, so, uh, um, but we talk about how that's the righteousness of Christ, 
how it's, it's over such important organs, right? And, and then he gets to the shoes, right? It's got to be the shoes. You remember that one? And as the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of, of peace. And so that was our cleat, right? And there's my belt of truth. All right, that was our cleat, right? The modern day sort of for the athlete because the Romans had shoes with studs, like nail studs. And that was to dig in so they wouldn't slip as, they, as, they, as, they, as the enemy attacks. And then he got to last week, um, week, or the week before last, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So you remember this big elaborate shield I made. Oh, yeah. Still got it, right? And to pick up your shield of faith, to trust God in all circumstances. And then last week we had the helmet, right? Take the helmet of salvation. Elaine, let me borrow this again this week. And, and how this covers your mind, your head, your brain, your most important organs. So, so what he's saying for the Christian, right? The, 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 the enemy's going to constantly get you to doubt who you are in Christ and tear you from that. So you have to preach the gospel to yourself every day. Put on, by faith, your helmet of salvation. And he finally gets to number six, our last one. Right, and, he, and, he, and it's a sword, right? So he says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so, surely I don't have that, right? Oh, I do, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could get dangerous, all right? Get out your phones, take some video. No, don't do that. All right, we got video back there. They'll, they'll get it. If I cut an arm off, it'll be on YouTube and we'll go viral, all right? Um, and so, so we have the, the sword of the Spirit. Spirit, right? So he's going to say, this is the power of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's the one we want to look at and put a microscope on as we conclude this series. Let's pray before we, we do that, especially because I have a sword in my hand, all right? So let's, let's pray. Lord, I, uh, I thank you that you have um, brought us here. Lord, I, I thank you that we can trust you in all circumstances. And in, in this room, um, it represents all circumstances, we think of what Bob prayed for earlier, Lord, and we think of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We think of our brothers and sisters in Russia. We pray that it would be the gospel that changes evil from the inside out, Lord. We know it will never be governments and it will never be laws. It will always be the truth of Christ that changes hearts. We pray for the churches, our brothers and sisters, who stand for truth in difficult times. We think of all the circumstances that we might be in, good and bad and everywhere in between. We, Lord, we sit here, we ask for your help to believe and trust in you. Lord, especially that we would wield this sword. And God, that you would give us clarity to what that is so that we might fight back what is wrong and evil in this world by your truth and by your light. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Okay, so let me bring us back this, this and really kind of highlight this. The, the last weapon, he says, to take up is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, as we've said, Paul's like kind of using actual correlating uh, armor pieces that he would see a Roman soldier wear. And so Roman soldiers, man, they, they loved their swords. They're kind of like if you're one of those gun people, right? You have different kinds of guns from different occasions, right? Um, they had the same thing. So there would be different words for, for different swords. So it's very specific. This is, uh, what, what in the Greek, it's called the makaria. 
Not the Macarena. I know some of you were ready to, yeah, don't do it, because we had a teenager doing it the whole sermon last night, all right? Please. Uh, the Macarena, which is, which is uh, actually, uh, it's only, it's shorter than this, it's about a two-foot sword uh, long of length and two inches in diameter. So it was meant, this is what's important, it's meant for close fighting. Right, so as someone comes in, you got your helmet, you got your breastplate, you're dug in, right? And now you have your, your sword. It's more like a dagger that you can fight back with. Or otherwise, if you don't have a weapon, like, that's great. You got a helmet and you got a shield and everything, and then you're just like this all the time, right? At some point, your best defense is to fight back. And so the Roman soldiers would have. That's kind of an idea of what uh, it, it looked like. Um, and, and even more, this is a good depiction of how they would hold it. See that? See, that kind of shows you the size. It's smaller than you might think. And they would hold it on their right, and they would have their shield on their left, and, and, they, and they would, at any point, could fight back when the enemy comes. And so that's what Paul is, is saying. He's saying to fight with the sword of the Spirit. And that's what's important, is that, that, that what he's saying is not that it's, it's empowered by the Spirit, but it's literally the Spirit. That when you're in Christ, you have access to the power. That's capital S. That's not the spirit within you, all right? This is the Holy Spirit, and you have the power of his truth, right? You have the power, but he specifically says, what is it? It's the word of God, okay? Now, what is that? Paul uses that, that um, term for different things, and, and sometimes he's very specific. That the word of God is the gospel, Okay, and we talk. We always talk about the gospel, but even in this series, and, and so so the gospel is just that good truth that that Christ died on the cross in our place, right? That He took, and because of Him, when we trust in Him and Him alone, we can be saved from even the worst of of sins and the wrath of God and, and the Word of God, right? But but it's more than that. The sword of the Spirit is everything that God gives us, His revelation. And for us, we have it preserved in what we call the Bible. And, and think about it. Even when you think about the gospel, when you read the Bible, what do you learn? The character of God. He's holy. He's righteous. Right? He, there is wrath on sin. That's not something you're just going to kind of talk about over here. Without, but you, you get confronted with that. You get confronted that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And then, wait, there is a Savior, God himself. He died in my place, right? He, he, he's given me victory. Now I can live in him, right? Now I can put on the full armor of God. It's all here, right? So, so here's how you want to live. Every time you open the word of God, it's the power of the spirit. You're fighting the enemy. Like if you don't open this, you may as well take your sword and say, ah, I'll just fight him with my helmet. You need your sword, right? And, and that is opening up the truth. This, okay, so when we talk about this idea, it's fighting with the powerful word of God. The, 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 um, the, this is not just a moral book or a, a book of narratives or a good philosophy or a religious book. Right? This is the word of God. That's why I, the, the enemy in warfare always attacks it. Right? I've talked about in this series, it says that it's not true, you can't trust it. It's been since day one, you can't trust the word of God. That's what he wants you to think. 
right? But what did, when, when, when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil came to him and tempted him, he twisted scripture, right? Oh, you can have this, you can have that. How did Jesus fight back? A physical sword? No. He had God's truth and he said, actually, no, this is what's true. And he pushed back. Same is true for us. When we have the word of, of God. And so when we're fighting with this, we need to understand every Christian, man, woman, boy, or girl, we have to know our Bibles. Right? We have to. Whether it's reading them, listening to it, memorizing it, enjoying it, struggling with it, praying through it, being confronted by it. We are a people of the book. And, and it seems like an obvious thing to say. But it isn't. Because, man, we got even, tra- I was uh, with, this is a number of years ago now, a group of pastors, and we were watching a pretty influential pastor, and he literally said, you know, guys, I think we're emphasizing the Bible too much. I was like, turn this garbage off. It's like, it's like guys, we're almost worshiping the Bible. Like, nobody's worshiping the Bible. We're worshiping the God who gave us. This is his revelation. How do we know him without this? Right? But it's an, a constant attack. Because even if churches, if you relegate right, the scriptures to over here, and it's like, eh, it's sort of important. You can now pick and choose, and you can leave things out that you don't like, and it really becomes your word and not God's word. You see the attack on that? It's all strategic. This isn't new. And, and so we have to know we're a people of the book. So, so what this means is, is that we have to be careful about replacing this with books about this. You know what I mean? Devotions, commentaries. Look, you can go to my office right now. I got shelves full of books about the Bible. I got plenty of Bibles, too. People never want to throw away Bibles, so they give it to the pastor. I got old Bible. I got all kinds of Bibles, right? And, and, and yet, so many books about the Bible. You can look at my Kindle library, even more. Look, I'm all about it. Tools to help us understand Scripture. I'm all in, right? But it cannot replace this. If you only have time to read one thing, read this. Here's what the enemy says to you. You're not a good reader. You can't comprehend. You can't understand. You just listen to the pastor. He'll tell you. I can't read the, I can't wield the sword for you. Your Bible study or small group leader can't wield the sword for you. Right? How do you know what I'm saying isn't a bunch of garbage? I can make it sound, I can make anything sound interesting. Right? I can sit up here and lie to you. How do you know? Because you're opening it to yourself and you're able to say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what it says. Right? Because you're wielding the, the sword of the Spirit. But the enemy tries to, to, to get us to um, not think it's that important. Put your sword over here. Just like we've talked about throughout this series, that then leaves what? A void. You're not fighting with the sword of spirit. You're not getting your power from the spirit. You've got to get it from somewhere else. And that's where he says, ah, come on over here. i got something for you. And throughout the ages... There's nothing new about it. It's been the occult. Look at the Old Testament. Remember even the good kings? They would often, they would, they would worship God, but they wouldn't take down the high places. They would have a, a syncretized um, uh, uh, worshiping God and the occult. It seeps in. There's power over here. There's magic over here. And if you've put down your Bible, you're like, I need that. I need healing. I need power. I need understanding, right? And, and where we, 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 when we open regularly the Word of God, we know nothing will melt a heart of stone like the Word of God. 
Nothing will bring encouragement to the darkest places of grief like the Word of God. But if we don't open it, we, we need to substitute it. And that's where the enemy says, yeah, I got the occult for you. In fact, um, Ephesus, which is where Paul's writing this to, um, this church in Ephesus, if you read the story of when Paul brought the gospel and his companions, is Acts chapter 19. It's a fascinating chapter. Ephesus was a hub of the occult. Like they had all kinds of occultic practices and they loved their magic and power and amulets and stones and spells. They loved it. And there was power behind it. Not good power, but there was. And so when Paul came to town, chaos erupted because people were being healed. The word, people were getting saved. People, like it was chaos. And so some people wanted a piece of that. They were like, oh, oh that's some real magic right there This Paul has. There was this one group, they, were called, they weren't Christians, they were called the Sons of Sceva. Sounds like a skin disorder, but that's what they were called. And, and it's fascinating. So they, they want to be a piece of this power, right? So they find this demon-possessed guy, right? And they go, they go up to him, and they say, I adjure you, which I don't really know why you would say that to a demonic, but they did. And I adjure you that you come out of there based on the name of this Jesus who Paul talks about. Right? And I can, it's not a movie, it doesn't really say this in your Bibles, but I sort of, I, I, I kind of feel like there was just this pause, right? Like the demon-possessed guy was like, Jesus I've heard of. Or Jesus I know. Paul, I've heard of him. Who are you? And can't you just sort of, sons of Sceva going, oh shoot, we're in trouble. And if you read the rest of it, the end of the fight, they end up wounded and naked. Don't ask. I don't really know how that works, right? You end up, you end up wounded and naked. You lost, okay? And, and so, so you see this idea of, of they want to be kind of around and use the name of Jesus, but they don't have the power that Paul had because Paul was in Christ, and it was the word of Christ. It was his word that prevailed. And in Ephesus, what happened, and I'll just give you just a sort of summary of what happened in this ministry. It said a number of those who had practiced, so this is some who are receiving this letter that we're, we're reading, right? A number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. So there it is, right? It's the word of the Lord that impacted them so much that they brought thousands of dollars worth of occultic material and said, we don't want it anymore. But it wasn't, uh, it was just simply the sword of the Spirit that Paul and his companions were wielding in Ephesus and so many got saved. Wouldn't you love that for our community, right, and the communities around us? They got a riot turned out because people were losing so much money, Right? Imagine if like, all the strip clubs were like, we're not making any money because of these stupid Christians. We've got to do something about it. Wouldn't that be great? Or, or the occultic practice shops are like, we got no more business because people are coming to the gospel. Because that's why I bring it up. This is not new. It still permeates our culture in powerful ways that we don't always even know. Right? The, the, the occult. How, raise your hand if you were here a few years ago when I preached six weeks on the occult. All right, so you didn't leave. Thank you for that. Some did. No. And, and that was, 
That was, I'll tell you, that of all the series I've done, I think that was the one I get the most kind of pushback. Because there are these strongholds, there's these idols, there's these, but that's really not that bad. That's the alluring scheme. It's okay. It's good. You can have Jesus and this. That's how the enemy works. The word of God's not enough. Prayer's not enough. And I spent six weeks on it. I'm going to spend one minute today giving you just a few of the categories. See if you recognize this all around us even today. One category is called sorcery or magic. Calling on spirits for power, practicing techniques, or doing rituals to gain unseen power and or to manipulate energy in order to bring about a desired result. Sound familiar? It has so many shapes and sizes. The second called, uh, category is called divination. Using a tool or method to access information beyond the senses about the past, present, and future. And or reading hidden meanings into symbols or pictures, such as the use of tarot cards, crystal balls, astrology, psychic techniques, numbers, tea leaf reading, and on and on it goes. Sound familiar? All over the place, right? Third and last category is spiritism. This is attempting to contact spirits beyond beings such as angels. It's a big one in the church, right? Depending on angels and contacting them. Demons, the dead, ascended masters or others. Sometimes it's our descendants. We want to talk to them again, right? Tools and techniques include a Ouija board, channeling, meditation, visualization, drugs, automatic writing, channeling, and on and on it goes. Here's some of the um, common elements of the occult. The occult promises power, of course, and secret information. It usually involves the love of psychosexual. It gets very sexual. Why? Because at its core, it's egocentric. It's always, I need satisfaction, I need healing, I need, I need, I need. It's never about your neighbor, right? What's Christianity? Others. What's occult? Me. And so, whenever it's about me, it turns sexual. That's just how human beings are. In some way, shape, or form. Occultists define themselves as having a deeper truth. Um, it's not new. It spans the globe. Three out of four Americans hold a paranormal belief. Witchcraft is now being taught on several campuses. I'm not really sure what that's called, but uh, maybe you've taken that course. People who go to church practice uh, different types of chantings. They uh, believe in their horoscope. They practice things like yoga. I'll stop there for a second because that's always the biggest question I get. People are always, but I love the pants so much. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the pants, all right? I mean, as long as you cover it up, we'll get that's another sermon for another day. But listen, here's what you do, okay? Here's what you do. First of all, if, if, I'm not asking you to take my word for it. Go home, Google origins uh, of yoga, and you read it, and you tell me. It's, it's, it'll be there. It'll, you'll, you'll find it in a second, okay? It's origins. It's all in the occult, okay? Now, second thing, not in my notes, so don't email me. Just forgive me if, I, if you don't like this, all right? But here's what I say. Go find the best, most comfortable pants you can. Buy them. Call them your prayer pants, all right? Awesome. Get somewhere comfortable. Stretch. Breathe. Open your Bible and meditate on it and pray, Right? It's beautiful. But you see how the enemy takes good things and twists them? Empty your mind, he says. That's the occult. Distance yourself. But no. God says, get in the word. That's the, whole, that's the spirit. 
that will give you actual power in difficult circumstances. So that we have, they take so many different, you have to do your own research. I'm no expert on it, right? Some things you might think are fine. You have to research it. Things like stones, even oils and things like that. Like, look at the background. Don't just say, oh, my friend said this will help. Read up on it. Don't, you know, I'm not saying get crazy, but you don't want to open yourself up to something that isn't of God. Not if you're in Christ. It's always been a, a, a technique, right? It's empty of the word of God. Fill it with the power that is actually hollow. It's like we got Easter coming up, right? You ever get those bunnies as a kid and you bite into them? This is going to be great. It crumbles because it's hollow because it's also the cheap kind. I don't know if that was just my parents, but I was like, what is this? I eat it in like two seconds, right? That's what it is. It looks great on the outside. It's hollow. And I did forgive my parents eventually. This will even seep its way into the church, incorporating chanting, prayer stations, rituals, personal experience over scripture. It works its way in. That's the enemy's tactic of taking our swords down and seeping into our, our lives. And so it's big business, just like in Ephesus. It is big business. So be careful. Be watchful. And all we're saying is the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit is ultimately his truth. Be a people of the book. Get in it. Read it. Listen to it. Get, if you don't know, if you're like, you know what, I just try. I really don't know how or how to approach it. Let us know. We'll set you up with a mentor. Now, it won't be me, I promise. Don't, don't be afraid. Well, someone who loves, who already knows how to read, they'll, they'll show you. They'll be glad to sit with you. This is how I do it. This is the kind of Bible, I, this is a study Bible I use. Whatever. We will help you get the sword in your life and wield it. Okay? Now, that's it for the armor. And I just wanted to end our series the way Paul ended it. Because ultimately, he, uh, um, he, this was in the middle of a sentence. Okay? And so, if, if we, we, we have fighting with the powerful word of God, right? But then, he goes right from the sword of the Spirit. Same sentence, verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit. With all, why does he use the word all so much? You ever notice that? Wouldn't it be easy if you said pray for something some of the time for some people? <laughs> but he never does that. All times with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's why we pray for people we've never met who are living right now in the Ukraine. That's why we do it. Because they're saints. They're our brothers and sisters, and we love them. And we pray for them. Right? And, and so, so you find, you know, I'm not going to pray for everyone all the time, but to be open to that, right? So here's the thing, right? Is fighting with, with, with the enemy is always going to have the power of prayer. Some scholars want to make prayer the seventh part of the armor, but he doesn't equate it to anything. There's no prayer of whatever, right? And so I believe wholeheartedly that prayer saturates the whole thing. It's the substance, right? It's the, the spirit that makes up everything. Without prayer, you're not picking up your sword, your Bible, right? Without prayer, you're not preaching the gospel to yourself every day, right? Without prayer, you're not going to dig in when times are hard and temptations are difficult, right? You're not going to have the truth. You need prayer. Every step of the army, of the armor, is to fight with prayer, pleading with God, even when things are like, you don't see how this could ever be part of his plan, I will believe you, God. Help my unbelief. Right? What a prayer. Just, just saturating in Scripture. It always goes, like if you grew up in church and someone says, well, what do you do as a Christian? You say, oh, you go to church, you read your Bible, and you pray. Right? 
There's a reason for that. Because those are hugely important, and you learn that early. It isn't just some cliche. In fact, reading Scripture turns into beautiful prayers. You might read about when, uh, when, when David fought Goliath, <laughs> right? And you get through it, and then you go to prayer, and you're like, wow, Lord God, give me the faith that you gave David to believe in the spite of the hugeness of this insurmountable enemy that you are more powerful. What a prayer. Help me be like that. Then you read in Scripture the next day, uh, David and Bathsheba, that's horrible sin. And you close your Bible and you begin to pray and you say, oh, Father, please let me never be carried away with my own pride. Let me never not be where I'm supposed to be. Let me, right? And, and it leads into prayer. And you, maybe you pray through the Psalms or, or, or you, you read the armor of God and you literally pray those things, right? That's how they work together. And so we fight with the power of prayer. And I would ask you, um, there was a, 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 a village in Africa that a missionary went. A bunch of, most of them became believers in Christ. And they had a very high grass where they lived, right? And, and they had this ritual. They would go out and they would, every uh, morning, and they would follow the same path and go somewhere and pray. And so as the days went on, they, they would see all these paths for people. And yet, sometimes they would neglect prayer and their grass would start to grow high again. And they would look at each other and they'd say, brother, sister, your grass is growing high. Right? So my question would be, right now for you, where's your grass? <laughs> is it trampled down because you just keep, keep on going awesome? Is it getting a little high? You need to get the mower out? Beautiful. Go for it. Get back on the path. It starts now. That's the beautiful thing. It starts now. Fight. You will not fight. You will not take up the armor without prayer, without beautiful communication with God. We pray for each other. We pray for missionaries. We pray for uh, gospel opportunities. We pray, we pray, we pray. And so um, the, 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 the last really thing that I wanted us to see um, is, is Paul finishes this, this thought. We'll finish it as well. And I'm not going to go through all of this, right? I just want you to see how the togetherness of Christianity works. Because Paul is writing this miles away. And he tells them to pray. And remember, he specifically says, making supplication for all the saints, for each other. And also for me, he says, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. I love that. How are you an ambassador in chains? Well, he was. He's in chains, still preaching the gospel to anyone who will listen. An ambassador for Christ, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. All I want you to see as we conclude this, this warfare series is you don't fight alone. Don't fight alone. We fight as an army. When you go up, if you were to go up against a, a picture, think of the, the armor of God. That can seem intimidating, but imagine this, um, this picture. Now, one of those dudes is intimidating, right? All those dudes? No, I'm not fighting that. <laughs> Scary stuff right there. That's the picture of the church. You aren't to ever. Here's what the enemy wants you to do isolate, isolate, isolate. You've seen the nature shows. He's called a prowling lion in 1 Peter. What does the lion eat? The zebra that goes, eh, I don't need to go with the pack. I'm going to go over here. I think I know where the food is. Lunch, right? 
matter how you are, you might be the most, you might pray two hours a day, uh, read the scriptures five hours a day, sing nothing but Christian music all the time, and you are powerful in the armor of God. Eventually, if you're isolated, you will succumb to the enemy. You're not made that way. Uh, speaking of David, Uriah was one of his most powerful soldiers, but David knew how to kill him, right? Go up to the front lines with the rest of the army, call everyone else back. I'm sure Uriah fought valiantly, probably took a lot of dudes out, but he died because he was by himself. Not by his choice, but he was. So that's what isolating ourselves do. We are to fight as an army. And I know, I know. It's, you'd be like, I plugged into a church once. I got, Jamie, people are weird. And guess what you are? A person. Yeah, but everybody's weird but me. People are messy. Mm -hmm. People are difficult. Yes. People are hypocritical. Welcome home. Welcome home. Right? You are people. And I get it. It's hard. It can be messy. You can get hurt. But you cannot isolate yourself. You need people you're fighting with because you will fall down and they'll pick you up. Here's, here's how I'll, I'll close this series. I'm going to blow your mind. This is why you pay me the big bucks. All right, you ready? Okay. Get, get ready with your pen, notes, the whole thing. Whatever, you know, Evernote, whatever you're using, okay? This is going to blow your mind. That when you're isolated from the army, two things happen. The army misses you, and you miss the army. No? Not impressive? Impressive by its simplicity. This isn't complex stuff, right? That, that, that you, right, are missing the army. So when you fall down, someone's you know, praying for you, bringing you meals, helping you. They're for encouragement and strength, right? Or when someone falls down, you're there for them. Even if you're that mighty warrior, which I described, praying all the time, in the Bible, which I doubt because if you are, you're part of the church, right? But if you are, I would say this. You might not be missing us a whole lot, but we certainly are missing you because you are needed. Because you're powerful in the armor of God and the things that you can do, right? And so what we can do is a picture of God's family and God's army is to march forward together and push back what is evil and fight what is wrong and be a source of truth in this world that so desperately needs it. We do it together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, you're the King of kings the Lord of Lords. I thank you so much that you would die for us. I pray, oh Lord, you know our souls, our minds, our hearts, our faith. I pray if there's anyone here or online with us that's never fully trusted in your salvation, your death on the cross, that they would feel compelled by your spirit today to relinquish the hold that they're trying to hold on their own life and put their faith in you, the beautiful gospel that you would keep the enemy from distracting them, from enticing them, and that, Lord, they would become part of your army even today, that we could celebrate with them. Father, encourage your people today. Give us the strength, not just today, but as we move forward to, to Lord, to put on the whole armor of God, that we'd preach the gospel to ourselves every day, that we would that we would put on our belt of truth, that we'd be ready, oh, Lord, that we would wield that sword, the word of God, that we, Lord, that we would be a people of the book and a people of prayer. And, God, that we, you'd plug us in, that we, would, that we would do it together, 
I pray your protection on our families, our marriages, our kids. The evil one seeks to devour. And Lord, protect us. Show us how to fight him. Lord, that we wouldn't be angry at the people who are influenced by the enemy, but instead realize the source behind it and get angry at him. That we would be a people of peace and love and strength and bearers of truth saturating everywhere we go in our community, throughout the world. Use us, Lord. We are not worthy, but you've chosen us. Empower us and strengthen us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, church.